Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. All right, well, that's me, and this is what I do. Welcome back to another rousing edition of Red Rock Relationships. I am your host, and today we're going to be continuing our conversation about affectionate communication, and we're going to get a little bit more specific. Um, So for those of you who listened last week, we talked with Dr. Corey Floyd, who is a professor at the University of Arizona. He wrote um, Affection Exchange Theory in a wonderful book called The Loneliness Cure. And it just so happens that today we're going to be talking uh, to a product of his uh, of his research team, uh, one of my very, very dear close friends uh, and a friend of the show, uh, Dr. Lisa Van Ralta. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Anytime, anytime. So um, we're gonna talk specifically today about um, cuddling. We're going to talk about some of the potential negative ramifications of um, receiving unwanted affection. But before we do that, can you take just a little bit of time to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, how you got so interested in studying this phenomenon, and maybe what you're up to now? Sure. Um, So as I'm speaking, you can probably already hear an accent. I was actually born and raised in New Zealand, and I moved to uh, Hawaii on scholarship for water polo when uh, I was an undergrad, and, and I stayed in Hawaii for my bachelor's and my master's, went to Arizona State University, where I studied under Dr. Corey Floyd, and uh, did my PhD there in human communication. And now I am an assistant professor at Sam Houston State University, and I study affection. That is one of my areas of expertise. I think it is an incredibly important topic for everybody. Um, As Corey would have talked about, it's a need for everybody. We have this need to express affection and to receive affection. And I'm really recently in the last few years, I've been super interested in nonverbal forms of affection. So hence the cuddling and the hugging and and those sort of warm moments of nonverbal affection. That's what I've been interested in. So I've, I've dabbled in some other things like friends with benefits relationships and, and other casual sex types of relationships. But really recently, a lot of my work has been on romantic relationships. I think it's something that everybody can relate to and it's really important to our lives. So that's what I've been up to. Yeah, and I, you failed to mention something that's that we went through the communication program at Arizona State together, and that yeah, I always true. I always mention to people that um, you are one full year smarter than me, and that'll always be true <laughs> no matter how no matter how far we get into our careers. So, um, and uh, and you and I have actually done some research together on friends with benefits relationship. Uh, if you are interested in that sort of thing, to the folks at home, we will be having an episode on it later on in the season. We'll be having. Uh, Nikki Trucelli on to talk about friends with benefits relationships, another product of Arizona State University. You're going to see that as an overlaying trend in this <laughs> show. Um, so you study, like you said, like, kind of like the warm and fuzzies, and you know me, I study the, the dark and brutal. Um, right. Can we talk a little bit about one specific act of nonverbal affection, which is, of course, cuddling? Can we can we just spend some time defining what cuddling consists of and like what does it look like and how does it differ from other forms of affection? Sure. 
So cuddling was actually the main topic of my dissertation at Arizona State, and it is this unique, affectionate, nonverbal behavior that often includes a range of other behaviors, and I'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, but people often think of cuddling and hugging as the same behavior, and it's actually quite different. So it's tempting to equate those two behaviors as the same, um, but as we'll talk about here, they are very different from one another. Um, let me begin with a hug because I think that's the one that we do the most, and it is being defined as like a brief embrace between two people, um, arms around each other, and there's different ways that we can hug each other. Uh, and a hug serves several purposes. So a hug could communicate caring and closeness, like if someone lost a loved one and you wanted to hug them. Um, but it can also be simply used for a greeting when you hug someone hello, and it could be used to say goodbye. So you hug someone to say goodbye. Uh, and, and typically, hugs are very brief embraces, like one to five seconds. They don't typically last longer than that, except maybe you can think of an instant like at the airport when you're saying goodbye to someone, you might hug them for a little mm -hmm. bit longer. But cuddling, on the other hand, is pretty different, and it is a far more intimate type of behavior. And I can give you four distinct elements that differentiates cuddling from other types of nonverbal affection. Mm, hit me with so it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so the first is that cuddling is really reserved for like our intimate, personal, close relationships. So we will cuddle with our romantic partners. We will cuddle with our family members. And, and really that one, you think more of like your mum and as a child, right? Uh, maybe mm -hmm. dads and their children too, or maybe siblings will cuddle. Um, there's some research that shows friends cuddle a little bit, but that's not often the case. Um, it's most often with our, our romantic partners. The second is the um, duration of the event. So cuddling lasts on average for about 45 minutes per cuddle episode and can happen or occur for even longer. Like you can imagine cuddling for hours watching a movie, say. The third element is this relational factor and this differentiates from um, a hug, for example. So cuddling really involves prolonged whole body contact or full body contact. So it's likely that partners are going to feel a greater sense of trust and intimacy. You would only do that type of behavior with someone that you really, really feel vulnerable with. Like you feel okay enough to be completely trusting with this whole body contact. Um, so couples, when they cuddle, will feel very close and bonded with one another. And the fourth and last element is uh, that cuddling can include sexual elements, but it doesn't have to. Um, of course, in our romantic relationships, cuddling might include sexual elements, but in family relationships, it wouldn't, right? Let's hope. So, let's hope not. <laughs> um, so most people actually describe cuddling as a nurturing and loving act rather than a sexual one. And we tend to see that sexual activity happens 
before cuddling and happens after cuddling. So it might be that cuddling is like this precursor to sexual activity, but the cuddling part itself doesn't have to be sexual. It's more like a loving and nurturing type of behavior. So when we put this all together, the definition of cuddling is this prolonged, intimate, physical, loving contact that doesn't involve sexual behavior and involves some degree of whole body touching. Interesting. Okay, so that's that's really, really specific. And I, I think sometimes you can find yourself in the middle of a hug. You might not be able to find yourself in the middle of a cuddle. It, it sounds like it's a little bit more premeditated, a little bit more something uh, that, that we really put effort into doing. And then, of course, and, and this is something I'd probably like to talk about in the future. It's a great opportunity for important mm -hmm. communication episodes to occur. I think about Pillow Talk and Amanda Deans. Is that how it's pronounced? Deans? Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. Amanda Dennis and her work. Um, and maybe one day we'll get her on, but that, that could be its, its own episode. Absolutely. So that is that is a really good specific definition of cuddling that we're working with. And, and actually in the article that I shared on social media just, uh, just a few days ago, cuddling comes in a variety of forms, right? I mean, uh, a lot of the times when we think of cuddling, we think of the classic spooning, but there's really right. other forms. I mean, you say full body contact. I mean, you can share that sort of contact in a variety of different ways. I think we had uh, the butt pillow, the butt to butt, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the intertwining feet and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So you can get creative with the cuddling. And I, I think it's important to note that we're constantly defining and redefining what it means to cuddle with another person. Right. Yeah. It happens in many different forms. All those pictures that you shared or that article did a great job of showing these uh, like cartoon characters cuddling in all these different ways. And spooning is a very common way to cuddle, but you know, there's so many different other formations of our bodies and the ways that we're cuddling. And, and you're right. Like cuddling doesn't just quickly happen. It's something we sort of negotiate and, and agree to do together with our, with our romantic partners. Yeah. And the, and the benefits of cuddling have been documented. I mean, I just, I went on Google, I went on WebMD and I yeah. just, I looked up cuddling. I just searched it and you can find on WebMD right now in uh, September of 2020, they'll talk about the ways in which cuddling can help improve your quality and amount of sleep, how it can lower mm. your blood pressure, it can help manage your stress and your negative emotions. And this, of course, uh, is where we find the bridge between your fascination with cuddling and uh, things like affection exchange theory and the biological evolutionary approach to affection. So. Right. Um, I'm hoping we can spend just a little bit of time talking about the biology of cuddling and what happens to your body when you do it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. So as Corey would have mentioned, and as you've just pre-mentioned, there's a great deal of benefits from giving and receiving affectionate touch. And uh, when I think about cuddling, and I've mentioned before, cuddling actually co-occurs with all these different behaviors. So for example, while we're cuddling, we might be kissing each other, we might be massaging or tickling, we might be talking to each other, just holding each other. Um, we might actually be hugging. So hugging is like arms wrapped around each other, right? So mm. you can hug while cuddling. Um, and all of those like extra behaviors have been linked to some sort of physiological benefits. So 
For example, increased passionate kissing has been linked to decreases in our cholesterol. Providing massages has been linked to improved immune system functioning. Um, even like a simple touch on the wrist in some research lab studies have showed a decrease in heart rate. And most recently, one of my um, research projects that Corey and I have done together has connected hugging to lower inflammation in the body, which we uh, assayed through saliva of our participants. So there's this huge body of research now that really connects affectionate touch to all these improved benefits in our body. And if we consider what hormones are at play during cuddling, I'd be really letting you down if I didn't mention oxytocin. Mm, the love drug. That's right. So oxytocin, as you say, has been coined the love hormone, the love drug. It's also has been called the cuddle hormone as well. And it's released in our pituitary gland, um, which is close to like the base of your brain. And it's released when we cuddle someone. And research shows that this hormone is really important because it makes us feel connected and bonded to each other. It is the same hormone that's actually released when mothers breastfeed as well. So when mothers breastfeed, uh, oxytocin is released in their bodies and it helps facilitate this feeling of closeness and protectiveness over their child. I've wow. actually just seen recently, this is super interesting and I'd love to do some experiments with it, but there's been a nasal spray of oxytocin that is being used in research. I know wow. it would be so interesting. And so they've done some studies with that now, which, which could lead to some pretty important implications in the future. But really put simply, when we're cuddling with our romantic partners, oxytocin is released in our bodies and that hormone facilitates feeling of closeness and bondedness with our partners. So there's a ton of biological things going on in our body when we're cuddling it, it promotes all these feelings these positive feelings yeah and just to parse that more i think it's important that the distinction that you made early on when we are touched if it's invited right if, if it's non-intrusive touch um, these hormones are activated right um, but when we cuddle when we do something so premeditated so trusting so intimate we see a higher activation of these important drugs. We see less of the stress hormone. We see more of the love hormone. Um, and I think that that's important because as we talked about last week, we've got more people living alone than ever. And unfortunately people suffer that, um, that skin hunger, that, that um, right. affection deprivation. So, right. so I think it's very important to understand um, that making room for cuddling and I'm going to, I'm going to, step on your toes here and see if I can remember yeah. what your dissertation was about. If I remember correctly, what you did is you had three groups of people. One group, mm -hmm. one group was to increase their cuddling behaviors. One mm -hmm. group wasn't to have any change at all. And then a third group was to increase time spent together in the form of having uh, an extra dinner conversation. And from right. an experimental design perspective, that's so that you can compare those groups and see if it's really the cuddling that's influencing people or That's if right. it's instead just spent time. And if I remember correctly, we saw an increase um, in things like relationship satisfaction, mm -hmm. as well as um, uh, they, they perceived that they had greater investment, right, when they cuddled, or did I get that backward? No, you're right. So uh, what we ended up finding, we looked at four different outcomes. So it was relationship satisfaction, commitment, investment, and quality of alternatives, and, and you're right. So when we, 
through the great world of statistics, mm. when we controlled for the control group who didn't change their behavior, and when we controlled for the group that just increased their time spent together, we found that the experimental group, the treatment group that cuddled more, had improved relational satisfaction scores and actually decreases in quality of alternatives. So they mm. were even more, like you say, invested in their relationships. So, you know, cuddling has these physiological benefits, but it also has these huge relational quality benefits as well. So it makes it a super important um, behavior in our relationships. Yes. And for those listening, you may remember on our first and second episode, we spent some time talking about something called the investment model. That's the model that um, Lisa used in her dissertation. So just to put that in context. When Corey was on last week, we spent a little bit of time talking about toxic masculinity, and we talked about a specific behavior, the bro hug, as a way for men and other men to express affection to each other without feeling threatened. When it comes yeah. to cuddling, like you said, that's a much more valuable behavior. So what happens if I'm just not a cuddler? Can I still get find other ways to get that increase in oxytocin or dopamine? Um, or am I just relegated to being like, you know, touch starved and, and, and lonely? That's a great question. Um, and, and as you mentioned, not everybody has the same uh, level of how much affection they want to receive and give, right? Like we all differ a little bit. Um, and this is completely okay. And, and I actually speculate a, a question that hasn't been answered in research yet, but I speculate that romantic couples who have similar levels of affectionate needs are going to have an easier time um, negotiating how often they cuddle or do these other affectionate things. So I would imagine that if you, I'm a very affectionate person and thankfully my partner is too, but if you're um, someone who doesn't like to give a lot of affection, but you find someone who matches that level too, then you're going to have probably an easier time negotiating that. However, if you're not a big cuddler, like let's say you're not big on the affectionate touch um, and especially thinking now during the pandemic when a lot of people don't even have access to that, um, spending quality time with people, even through virtual phone calls like this or sending messages that explicitly communicates your love and caring for a person could be a good alternative. So there is a lot of research that shows these other forms of affection, the, the verbal and social support affection can give you physiological benefits as well. So for example, um, writing a letter to a loved one with the intent of them reading it has actually been linked to decreases in cholesterol. So mm. there's other ways of communicating affection. It doesn't just have to be through these nonverbal hugs. Like I would be wrong to say that everybody should increase their nonverbal affection because that's just not how it works in the real world, right? Like there's right. so much variation in, in human interaction. So um, it just depends on how much you want to receive. But mm -hmm. th there is an element of truth in that we all need affection, giving and receiving. It's just we might do it a little bit differently, but we do touch is such an important part of our survival. Um, so even if you don't need it a whole lot, you still need it to some degree. I'm glad you mentioned that because in my prep for this episode, one of the things that I remember you mentioning um, during our time at Arizona State University together is that um, there are cuddle escorts out there. Um, yeah. And 
And there are, back when we were allowed to gather in large groups, there's a website called cuddleparty.com where strangers mm -hmm. just get together in large groups of 20, 50, 100 people and just cuddle with each other. And it's extremely non-intrusive and it's, it's extremely mm -hmm. consensual. Here's a list of just the, the first few um, cuddle websites that I found. Cuddlecomfort.com, cuddliest.com, cuddlecompanions.com, snugglebuddies.com. Um, and these services quite literally offer somebody who's willing to accept money to cuddle with you. And there's a good amount of research on sex workers who say that a lot of their high profile clients do not hit them up for sex. They, they hit them up for a conversation and some cuddling. And I think that that speaks to, um, unfortunately, some of the um, stigma surrounding cuddling. I think some people feel like they might not be able to get cuddling out of their intimate relationships. And so they seek out strangers to do it. And by the way, for those folks listening um, in the Southern Utah area, all of the websites that I just mentioned, they're all available in Southern and Northern Utah. They've, there are people out there who will do that. So if you're feeling like you need some cuddles, this service is available to you. But I think Lisa, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I really do think that it's all about that trust and intimacy. So if you're cuddling with someone who you care about, it's gonna probably be a little bit more fulfilling than, than with a stranger. What do you think? It's an interesting question and something um, Corey and I have talked about actually several times because we know that touch helps us physiologically and, and, and mentally and emotionally, but there's some research that shows that touch, no matter who it comes from, can be beneficial too. We speculate, as you do, that touch from a trusted, close, intimate partner probably has more benefits than a stranger, say, but like people are paying strangers to cuddle with them, right? And it mm -hmm. has nothing to do with like sexual activity. Mm -hmm. So it's really telling that everybody craves this to some degree. Um, so, you know, there's, there's so many implications to cuddling and, and what it could look like, even like just simple hugging um, for children in, in medical situations, right? How it could help them with their pain? Mm -hmm. How it can help them heal quicker? Um, those are sort of like long-term goals for me. Yeah. And so this is going to allow us to pivot into the very last thing that I want to talk with you about today, which is, uh, you know, we do all have different needs, right? And some people just have less needs. And what do you do? What advice would you give to somebody who finds themselves in a relationship with somebody who's just not that very much into cuddling or affectionate touch in general? How do we avoid giving unwanted affection? Because that can be harmful. If, if we don't ask for the affection, it can hurt us. How do we make sure that, um, that all this uh, all these behaviors are wanted and consensual. It's a great question. And, and, you know, unwanted affection has a lot of negative impacts to us. So, so a recent research of mine and, and some colleagues found that when we receive unwanted affection, that's related to reports of higher stress as well as worse somatic and cognitive anxiety scores, which are, are like, um, our physiological and psychological indicators of anxiety. Mm. And when we're in relationships, we, we don't want to force our affection onto others other people and an effective and straightforward way of doing this is simply to have this open communication channel with your partner and, and either ask them if they feel like being hugged, feel like being cuddled, ask them to give you more physical affection if that's what you're wanting. Um, because, you know, even really highly affectionate people like myself, I don't want to be cuddled all day long. 
Like it can be Mm -hmm. um, too much, right? When we receive too much affection, it's actually harming us. Um, So having those open communication channels can be really important, although that can sometimes be difficult for people to do. So another strategy, which is riddled with some errors is, is to read people's nonverbals. And, it, and it, of course it can be tricky, but as you get to know your partner and you create this dance with them, you start to understand each other's needs. So I think just having open communication is your best strategy. So don't force your partner to cuddle when they do not want to, because it will actually decrease those good hormones and increase those bad hormones. That means we need to have an open conversation with ourselves about the physical needs that we have. And of course, like you said, we need to have the conversation with our partner and there's nothing wrong with doing that. Now, next week, we're going to talk about what happens when we experience these emotions and how those emotions can damage or help our relationships. But in the meantime, smash that subscribe button. Absolutely kill it. We're available on all major major social networks. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.